Good morning, everybody. Let's all stand up for a minute, please. That was pretty weak. So we're going to get up for a second. We're going to uh, just kind of turn around and let's stretch a little bit. You can say hello to your neighbor, maybe even shake a hand. It's okay to, to, to just kind of get some energy. Say hello to your neighbors. All right, all right. Now we're doing better. All right, that's better. Let's sit back down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had to do that because uh, I think some of you guys were a little bit asleep here this morning. We're supposed to worship God in spirit and in truth. We're supposed to have some energy. I heard the energy in the building before the announcements, you know, and Chuck had to start singing some songs just to kind of get everybody calmed down a little bit. You know, if you come a few minutes earlier, you can get those conversations out. You know, if you're here this morning and you're a guest, we welcome you as our honored guest. And we just want to uh, just say if there's anything that you notice here in our worship service that uh, you're not used to or maybe something that's different than what, how you've worshipped in the past, let us know uh, what questions you may have for us. Let us know how we can, and we'll be able to answer those questions to the best of our ability. You know, if you look on the screen behind me, uh, this, is, this lesson kind of goes hand in hand with kind of what we've been doing for many weeks now on Sunday morning. Uh, it's, it's a lesson on our Christ, uh, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Uh, if you look on the screen behind me, it says, Teacher and Lord. I just noticed he has glasses on. Huh. And I think they had those back in the day. Jim, you're supposed to make these uh, slides a little bit more authentic. And, you know, because if I noticed it, I know somebody else did. But we're going to look at a lesson on Teacher and Lord. And we're going to look at that here this morning because... Do we not have a lot of great teachers in this world? We do. And the world has many teachers today and throughout time who have stood the test of time. Their teachings were so profound that they have been preserved for you and me to read uh, and for us to study even decades, centuries, millennium later. For instance, we can learn from things from our early philosophers as Plato, Aristotle, Socrates. Even though they may have spoke 2,000 years ago, we can still learn uh, great things from these individuals. What comes to mind to you, what, who, who comes to mind to you when you think of maybe great teachers of your past? Perhaps you had an outstanding teacher in school that had really impressed you. Maybe their names were Patrick Dans or Becky Metz. Maybe their names were Butchie, uh, Butchie Montgomery, right, or Barb Rapp. And if there's any other teachers that I don't know of in our congregation, I apologize. But those are the four that I know that have taught, right? And so I wonder how much influence that you've had on certain students throughout time throughout those years. I mean, how many of us have a teacher that we could look back upon and, and think about and how they were kind of instrumental in our life? Maybe it was in elementary school, maybe it was middle school, maybe it was high school, maybe it was college, right? Maybe it was your Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Was he not a teacher? And so that's what I want us to think upon this morning because it does tell us teacher and Lord in a passage of scripture that we're going to look at. Did you know that Jesus is uh, referenced as teacher 45 times as you study out the, uh, the Gospels? 45 times he's called teacher. And so many of these teachers have had profound effects, positive effects on their very students. But there has never been a teacher quite like Jesus Christ. You see, because when Jesus came and he started to teach, did he not teach as one with authority? Jesus had an impact on mankind that, well, no other man, no other woman has ever had in the history of the world. Yesterday, I went on Google, and I just typed in the word Jesus. 
and I hit the button. And in less than one second, like eight tenths of a second, it, over 1.5 billion hits showed up. 1.5 billion things appeared by just typing in the word Jesus in less than one second. Do you think that there's a reason why Jesus is so widely discussed? Do you think it's important to understand who our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ is? That he's just not king and prophet and high priest, but he's also teacher and Lord. And so we're going to look at that here this morning, because as I said a moment ago in the four Gospels, Jesus is referenced as teacher 45 times. Do you think they're trying to tell us something? In John chapter 13, Jesus was teaching a lesson on being humble and on serving one another by washing the disciples' feet. And then he makes the statement uh, that we see in John 13, 13. You call me teacher and Lord, and you say, well, for so I am. You see, brethren, Jesus truly is the greatest teacher that ever lived. But as great as he was, not even Jesus could teach individuals who were unwilling to be taught. Barb, Becky, right? Pat, have you guys ever had teachers or have you ever had students who were just unwilling to learn? Have you ever had students that no matter how hard you tried, that you just couldn't teach them? I know Jesus had some of those. Jesus still has some of those today. He had some of those in the first century. He had some of those in the second century, in the third century, and on and on and on. You see, brethren, Jesus can only teach those who have their hearts and minds open to his teachings. And this morning, we're going to look at several reasons why, teach, why Jesus was a teacher beyond compare. Jesus was a teacher beyond compare, first and foremost, because he came from God. Over the years, there have been many teachers uh, who have been commissioned by God. Some of them we call prophets. Some of them we call angels. There was a man named Moses who was sent and who was called by God to deliver the Old Covenant to the people of Israel, was he not? And then there was the very last prophet that we see before we get to Jesus. And the very last prophet of the Old Testament was John the Baptist. He was the forerunner for Christ Jesus, our Lord. And the Holy Spirit was with him since his mother's womb. And brethren, while it is true that the prophets before Jesus were inspired of God, that they spoke for God, they, had, they spoke with God's authority, with God's message, we know that none of them were deity. Only Jesus was deity. And I know this because when we look at the scriptures in Hebrews chapter 1 here this morning, in verses 1 through 4, I want you to notice what it says on the screen behind me. God, after he had spoke long ago to the fathers, in the prophets, in many portions and in many ways, in these last days has spoken to us through his Son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, through whom also he had made the world. And he, meaning Jesus, is the radiance of his glory, the exact representation of God's nature, and upholds all things by the word of his power. When he had made purification of sins, brethren, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become much better than the angels, as he has inherited a more excellent name. You look at Hebrews chapter 1, and you look at what the author is trying to establish as he begins this letter. You see, brethren, we learn several things in these verses. In verse 4, we learn that Jesus is now better than the angels, higher than the angels. 
You see, the reason why he's writing about these things is because many times the Jewish converts uh, were looking to Moses. They were looking to the prophets. They were looking to the, to the angels as being somebody higher or better than Jesus. And so the author of Hebrews is trying to let them know that Jesus has attained a greater name, a higher name than even the angels themselves. In verse 3, we learn that Jesus, that purification of sins, came through Jesus came through the sacrifice that he had made for all mankind. In verse 2, we learn that Jesus is the heir of all things and that he made the world. And so I want you to consider that when we say that Jesus is teacher and Lord. Jesus is teacher and Lord, that means that he was from the very beginning. Jesus was with the Father, God, before the foundation of the world. Jesus is part of the Godhead, and that is why Jesus is the master teacher. You see, brethren, we know that Jesus is omniscient. Omniscient just simply means all-knowing. Jesus was able to speak the perfect parable in the perfect time because he understood and he knew all things. Jesus had the ability, had abilities that others did not. Jesus could read the hearts of the, of the men and the women in whom he interacted with, which simply means he knew their thoughts. He knew their thoughts he knew when they were trying to catch him in a trap. He knew when they were being dishonest. And we understand that. And we have examples of that in Scripture. The next passage that we look to this morning in Matthew chapter 22, it tells us starting in verse 16. And they sent, meaning the, the Jewish uh, leaders, it says, They sent their disciples to him along with Herodians' disciples, saying, Teacher, we know that you are truthful and teach the way of God and truth and defer to no one, for you are not partial to any. Tell us then, what do you think? Is it lawful to give a poll tax to Caesar or not? But Jesus perceived their malice and said, why are you testing me, you hypocrites? Brethren, as I used the word omniscience a second ago of Jesus, that is because he is the master teacher. His omniscience, what made him the master teacher? But what made him omniscient? What made him that is that he is deity. He is God in the flesh. He is the perfect representation of God. God had taken on flesh, we learn in John chapter 1 and verse 14. And we know that that... That, that, that Jesus, the Word, was the one spoken of in John chapter 1 and verse 1 and 2. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us in verse 14. Brethren, whenever Jesus had spoken, he always spoke with authority. He didn't teach like the scribes, who were also known as lawyers. He didn't teach like the Pharisees. He didn't teach like the Sadducees. He didn't teach like the high priests. He taught as one with authority. And it was, it was recognized by those individuals who heard what he had to say. And he did so, and he always told the truth, no matter what situation he was in. No matter if they wanted to hear it or not. Brethren, we know that Jesus was able to do this because he was deity. He did not give his mere opinions. He did not give theories on how he supposed something had come about. Men and women throughout time, no matter how great they have been uh, in teaching, oftentimes give opinions, give theories, give philosophies. But we have to understand that those theories and those philosophies are constantly changing. Because with each generation, truth is changing. What is perceived fact is changing. That is why so many of our textbooks in our schools have to be constantly updated as facts are updated. But you see, none of Jesus' words ever needed updating. None of Jesus' words had, were ever not true. 
Whether it's in the 21st century or in the 1st century, the words of Jesus Christ are eternal and that no, nothing shall pass away. Heaven and earth shall pass away, the scriptures tell us, before the words of Christ. Brethren, we understand because of who Jesus is, we know that his uh, words are eternal. And you look at a few passages of scripture that teach us this. In John chapter 6 and verse 63, the scriptures tell us, it is the spirit who gives life and the flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you are spirit, and they are life. I think about John chapter 8 and verse 31 and 32, where it tells us, Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed in him, If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. It makes me think of Matthew chapter 24 and verse 35, where it says, Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words by no means will pass away. Brethren, no other words ever taught have had such power as what Jesus came to teach, as what Jesus came to do for the world. Because the words of Jesus lead to salvation for all those who are obedient. Another reason why Jesus was not only teacher and Lord, but a great and masterful teacher, it is that he taught... Um, it is one thing to teach what is right, but it's another thing to actually live out what you teach. How many times as teachers have we always lived out what we taught? How many times as evangelists or as disciples of Jesus Christ have we always lived out what we taught? I wish I could stand before you here this morning and tell you that everything that I preach to you and everything that I teach you, I do perfectly. But the fact of the matter is I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. Just like every one of you that sit here this morning. I stand before you not as one who teaches and lives perfectly, but as a sinner who needs a Savior. And I continue to. Brethren, that is why Jesus stood out from the crowd. Because we understand that not one time did Jesus fail to live a righteous life. Notice what this next passage of Scripture tells us. In Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 15, it says, For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses. Why? Because but was in, he was in all points tempted as we are, and yet he was without sin. Jesus had never failed to live by what he preached. One example of that comes to me by way of Matthew chapter 5 and verse 39. In 5 and 39 of Matthew tells us, But I tell you not to resist an evil person. But whoever slaps you on the right cheek, turn the other to him also. Well, why is that important? I believe that to be true, and uh, I believe it to be important because Jesus demonstrated this very thing in the very last hours of his life, did he not? Was Jesus not uh, arrested, uh, really illegally, because they came by night to arrest him? Did they not uh, rebuke him and mock him and slap him and spit on him? And did they not crucify him? Did they not scourge him? Did they not put a crown of thorns on his head? And we look at Matthew chapter 5 and verse 39. We know that he was falsely accused. We know that he was scourged. We know that he was even mocked while he was hanging on the cross. They were still mocking him. He saved others, but this man cannot save himself, they were saying. Brethren, in all of the trials that Jesus had to go through, what do we notice? He did not return evil for evil. He turned the proverbial other cheek. Instead, in the last moments of his life, he said, Father, forgive them, 
For they know not what they do in Luke chapter 24, or Luke chapter 23 and verse 34. Another example that Jesus actually lived out what he taught comes by way of Matthew 5 and 43 and 44, where it says, You have heard that it was said, You shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. Brethren, while I know that that is a very difficult passage to uh, wrap your minds around. It's a very difficult passage to actually live out. Jesus had demonstrated this kind of love. He did so when he went to the cross. Jesus didn't go to the cross for his own sins. He went to the cross for my sins and your sins and the rest of mankind's sins. And we know, brethren, that Jesus says, love your enemies, pray for those who persecute you. And he went to the cross not because of his own sinfulness. He went to the cross because of all of humanity's sinfulness. Jesus didn't just die for the righteous. He died for the unrighteous. He died for even for those who cursed his name and wanted nothing to do with him. Jesus' sacrifice could benefit those individuals if they're only willing to get out of their way and open up their hearts and minds to the truth. You see, brethren, Jesus had never made a mistake in his teachings who here could say the same thing? I can't say that. Has there ever been a teacher alive that is not Christ Jesus who never made a mistake in something that they taught, in something that they thought? And so Jesus, he never made mistakes. And despite the many attempts by the scribes, the lawyers of the day, despite the many attempts by the, uh, by the Pharisees and the Sadducees to trap him in his words, he never made a mistake. He never contradicts himself. In Luke chapter 11, notice what it says in verse 53 and 54. When he left there, the scribes and the Pharisees began to be very hostile and to question him closely on many different subjects, plotting against him to catch him in something that he might say. What is the point of, uh, of Luke chapter 11 there? Brethren, no matter how many times they tried to catch Jesus making a mistake, they never could. In fact, in Matthew chapter 22 and verse 46, it tells us, finally, those individuals, the scribes and the Pharisees, they gave up trying to question him because they realized they could not trip him up. They could not catch him in his words because Jesus never made a mistake. Brethren, what made Jesus the master teacher is that he spoke without hesitation. He spoke without consulting anybody. You think about the wisest people, the wisest men and women who have ever lived. We have, we, today we think about many of our experts. How often do experts on difficult topics consult other experts? How often do they kind of gather together and get a group of them together and bounce ideas off of one another? If you've ever had any medical calamities, and sometimes now what's becoming more and more popular in the hospital systems, is that you don't just necessarily go to one doctor, you might have a panel of doctors now who are going to help with your treatment, who are going to, to think about what's the best way to do something, the best way to treat somebody. They're going to take their collective knowledge and try to come up with a plan. But you see, brethren, Jesus, he spoke without hesitation. Every time the scribes and the Pharisees came to Jesus, he didn't have to say, that's a good question. Let me get back to you. Jesus answered them without hesitation, and he consulted no one. Brethren, the wisest people we have today often consult other experts before they make any type of decisions. 
Look at another example about this. We go over to Matthew chapter 22. And you notice what it says here in verse 35 through 40 on the screen behind me. In Matthew chapter 22, it says this in verse 35. Then the one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question, testing him. There's those words again. They asked him a question, testing him, saying, Teacher, what is the great commandment of the Lord? What is the great commandment of the law? And he thought, oh boy, I got him this time. You know why he thought he got him? Because if you go back and you were to actually study out the old covenant in detail, there's over 600 commandments. And he's asking them, what is the greatest commandment? Thinking, surely he's not going to be able to come up with something right away on the spot. And yet, we know what Jesus says starting in verse 37. Jesus said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, with all your soul and with your mind. This is the first and the great commandment. And the second is like it that you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And on these two commandments hang the law and hang the prophets. Brethren, Jesus summarized the entirety of the old law and the prophets in just a few words. And that you are to love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, your soul, your strength. And that you are to love your neighbor as yourself. Could you imagine that this, this, this scribe, this lawyer, who thinks I'm finally going to get him, I could see his jaw just drop, his mouth open, like, and just walk away in just amazement. Why? Because Jesus was a teacher like no other. Jesus didn't need to confer with anybody. Why? Because you have to understand who he is. Jesus is God. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. Right? And then he says, and then the word became flesh, as we see in verse 14. Brethren, Jesus was deity. He had all knowledge. Jesus was different than everybody else. Brethren, we think about, as I said earlier, that Jesus often spoke with authority. He didn't just speak with authority on some topics. He spoke with authority on all topics, on the easy ones and the difficult ones alike. But he would teach them in such a way that even the common man could understand. And he would use illustrations that the first century saints would have been able to understand. He spoke about sowing seeds. Why? Because most of them had a, a background in agriculture. He spoke about shepherding. Why? Because many of them were shepherds. And so he gave illustrations in his parables that would have been easy for them to understand in the first century. I know many times it's harder for us to understand some of the parables because we're not, we don't, we don't, we're not farmers. We're not out there working the fields and sowing seeds and bringing in the harvest. We're not out there shepherding the flock. We're not out there doing all that a shepherd would do. Many of us have no idea what a shepherd does. And so we have to do a little background study so we can understand the parable. And so, brethren, you think about this information here this morning. Jesus spoke in a way that it was easy for the common man to understand. He spoke parables about heaven. He spoke parables about God's love. He spoke parables about judgment. But he did so in a way that they'd be able to understand. At least those would be able to understand who had an open heart, an open mind, who were willing to ask questions. How many times did Jesus' own disciples, the apostles, come back to him and say, Teacher, Explain that parable to us. And they did so, and that's what Jesus wanted. He wanted people to stay and ask questions. When he started to speak about eat my flesh and drink my blood, and when he was trying to drive people away, when he was trying to separate those who were uh, truth seekers through, for, for, versus those who were just there to have their, their bellies filled or to have their physical infirmities healed, he made a separation. 
And Jesus even asked his disciples, do you too not want to leave? And they said, where will we go? You have the words of eternal life. And so, brethren, we understand that Jesus wanted people to stay. He wanted them to ask questions. Those were the ones who would understand the truth, and the truth would set them free. Brethren, no wonder in Mark chapter 12 and verse 37, it says that the common people received him gladly. Brethren, as I get ready to close this lesson down, it's a shorter lesson today, but as I close this lesson down, I want us to think about Jesus being the teacher without compare. Because he came from God. His words were eternal. He lived by what he taught. He actually walked the walk. And so, brethren, he had a unique way of teaching that made it easy for those who heard him to understand if they had a willingness to try to understand. And with this in mind, let us close this lesson with the last passage of Scripture and remember what Jesus had to say to his disciples before he ascended on high. And if you look at Matthew chapter 28 and, and verses uh, 18 through 20 on the screen behind me, I know this is a passage of Scripture that we all know. But it says, and Jesus came and spoke to them. All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them, teaching them to do what? To obey all that I have commanded you. He doesn't say teach them to obey some of the things, kind of pull out some of the finer points, kind of pull out some of the more popular parts. He says teach them to obey all that I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Brethren, you look at Jesus Christ as Lord and teacher, and you should, because Jesus is the greatest teacher we have ever had. If you open your heart and your mind to his teachings, brethren, it will set you free. And so if you're here this morning and you're hearing this message and you have not given your life over to Christ, you have an opportunity to do that today. You don't have to wait any longer. As long as you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that he suffered, died, and was buried and raised again on the third day for the remission of our sins, that's all you need to come to Christ. Brethren, I have to tell you that it is a journey a, a faith journey before you begin to really fully understand some of the deeper things. I'm still looking to understand some of the deeper things of Christ. There's a reason why people read the Bible cover to cover five, six, seven times, and, they, and they're 60 years old, and they say, I've never noticed that before. Because they weren't spiritually discerned enough to notice that before. As you grow in spirit and truth, God opens the truth of his words to you. Brethren, you don't need to know all that Scripture teaches to become a child of God. You have to have a willingness, though, to learn what, the, uh, what his teachings teach. So, brethren, if you're here today, if you're, a, uh, if you're longing to be a child of God and you want to be baptized for the remission of your sins to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, come forward as we stand and sing the song of invitation.